Hello and welcome to another episode of Marriage in a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Katie. And we're still married. I think I'm just going to zip my lip this episode and let you talk. This is probably one of the only episodes that we've done that has been kind of a didn't really plan on doing it, but by demand we're doing it. A lot of people have reached out to Katie uh, and and asked how she's doing, how the Natasha Helfer situation went down in Kansas this past weekend. We can give a quick um, rundown of what that situation is before we get to the the topic at hand, which is that topic. <laughs> so, so this will probably be a pretty quick episode, but I want to give Katie an opportunity to process this, um, even publicly process this and just talk about it. Katie, is there a specific reason before I explain the Natasha Helfer situation, why you're hoping to be able to do this today uh, in preparation for anything else happening this week? <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to talk about that. But well. uh, yeah, I, I feel like I have needed to process a lot of this. And uh, honestly, tomorrow I'm going on a girl's trip to Disney World and I have been planning this trip for four months. It's been it's been booked for four months, and it just so happens to fall, you know, a couple of days after all of this went down. And so, I feel like I don't want to carry. I don't want to carry this with me on my next adventure that's supposed to be positive and happy and exciting. And uh, so, I would like to just talk about what happened now and leave it and then be able to just move on with my life. Yeah. You can go listen to episode 101 uh, in, if you want more detail. But the, the short version is that a good friend and colleague of ours and friend of the podcast, Natasha Helfer, was notified that her membership was under review and up for either disfellowshipment or or her, having her name removed from the church by her stake president in, in Wichita, Kansas, Derby, Kansas, to be more specific. And the from the beginning when we heard this was happening, we called Natasha and lent her our support. Natasha has been so great with us. Um, yeah, I want to. Well, people ahead. are. I think people are confused as to why we are supporting her because. Natasha is a sex therapist. She's also a mixed faith marriage therapist. She's also a, a just an amazing clinician and has worked in this space for a long time. But I think people are confused. Why are you going to go and talk for someone who maybe talks about things that are counterintuitive to the church, that the, the church teaches is wrong, and you're going to get to go defend someone that teaches that? because it's her clinical expertise. Right. And what I want to say to that is that I recognize and can say that I don't agree with everything Natasha teaches. I don't. However, Natasha has been an absolute integral part of our mixed faith community. And because you haven't taken the class, maybe you don't know that. But all of the materials that we help our couples with comes from Natasha. She wrote it. She is a therapist that helps couples through these really hard and challenging times. And many couples in our group in this space have benefited from her help. 
And I think that it would be negligent of us for not to speak up for her, to not at least tell people what she's done for us. Yeah. And just like in our mixed faith marriage, I don't agree with everything Ellen says or does. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is a revelation to me. I know, right? I don't agree with everything he says or does. However, I still love and support him. I don't know why in this world or in this country we we take one stance and we never move from it. Because if you get to know the people behind it, then you have love and compassion for them. And while you don't agree with everything... It's important to stand up for the people that you love. This isn't just a me coming out of nowhere saying, oh, you know, this should be Natasha's in the right or in the wrong. No, this is someone that I I really do dearly love and who has helped Alan and I. And later, after we get through some of the, I don't know, details of what happened, I would like to read my letter because I think that that bridges the gap as to why I went. And this is the letter that you were going to read in the council to the stake presidency. Correct. This it's addressed to the stake president. It's, right? it's addressed to the stake president. It's my statement that I read. All right. So now we're going to get into the weekend. Uh, Wichita, Kansas is a small airport. So this was not an easy in and out in one day, right? So, so we were we were looking at things and we made the decision for you to go alone. Yes, we did. For me not to go with you. Right. And I knew I was going with another person who had been in a mixed faith, who was in a mixed faith marriage, who had taken the course. She was coming as the believer to sort of testify of how much it made a difference in her own marriage. Right. So I knew I wasn't going to be alone, which was nice. Mm -hmm. And Alan was like, you know, you do your thing. Why don't you go? I'm going to support you from here. I'll take care of the kids. Life is crazy. We have four kids, seven to fifteen. So yeah, that's just that's just it. Yeah, I we I felt that Katie has supported me in so many things in this space. When I need to go do something solo, that this was a good opportunity to say you feel strongly about this. So do I, of course. But like this is your thing. You can have this. Let's. I don't need to be involved in this. I thought it was important for you to have that experience. And I now, totally appreciated that. And now I absolutely wish you would have been I with know, me. And, and there's no way that we could have known <laughs> no. exactly what was going to happen. No. So when I tell you this story, I want you, I'm only going to say from my point of view and what I experienced, I'm not going to, you know, say he said, she said, they did this. I you know, no, I'm just going to tell you from my point of view, because I don't think it would be fair to talk about someone else's story. Right. So... Friday or Saturday night, we got in. Uh, the The people who were giving the statements all met together for dinner. We talked through what it is that we were going to talk about, kind of got some strategy as to, you know, we wanted to all address um, different aspects, different of, aspects of her character right. and who she was. Because I thought that that would be really helpful. One, you know, I don't think she could speak up for who she is, but we could. So then on Sunday, we gathered together before we went to the church and and just sort of powwowed and, you know, rallied around Natasha. And then we got to the church and in the corner, in the back far corner, there was a pavilion on a grassy area. And there were people there. There were about 30, 35 people there just standing around. 
and they had name tags and there was, you know, someone had brought food and, and so they were setting things up and for the vigil and I walked over to the people, to the crowd of people and a few people, a few people recognized who I was and came over and talked to me, which was really very kind, super kind of them. And then a woman that I knew from childhood turned huh. around and I said, oh my gosh, what are you doing here? And she, I mean, I'm not, when I say she, I knew her from childhood, she took me and Alan's engagement photos. That's how well <laughs> we knew her. And she's just a really beautiful person. She drove all the way from Colorado with a friend and then we're, we're, we're there for the vigil and then turn around and drive back home. And, you know, I was really nervous and to disclose to everyone when I'm nervous, I have to pee. Okay. I'm just going to disclose that. That's just one of my things (laughs) is I have to go to the bathroom when I'm nervous. Before we get to the urination um, or lack thereof, can we, can we, can I ask you a question? Sure. So you're talking about the pavilion and there's a lot of people there. I imagine that these are mostly post-Mormons. These are 35 to 40 people there. Right. And I I would say the majority of them are post-Mormons, but they're sprinkled in there are are a few like nuanced believers okay. or believers because there were people in mixed faith marriages that were there that knew me and came up gotcha. to me okay. and talked to me about how much our like the podcast meant to them okay. which was so nice i'm just wondering the, what what your feelings were just Every, just talking to them like it, yeah people are nice but is it still is it weird and awkward to be no. kind of in that space of and like you know what oh, else? these are all post mormons you know what else i found is I talked to so many people that were mental health providers mm. that came to to support a mental health provider, right? Because they understand what this means for themselves and how they practice. Yeah. And we had a cop there from like Texas. I mean, there these are not these are super intelligent, nice, you know, nice, not dark and loathsome. No, just really <laughs> nice people. And it was like if you were standing around in a cultural hall. That's what it felt like. Gotcha. People just sort of mingling. Not very many people. Thirty-five people, forty people, maybe at the yeah. most. Okay, so, your bladder. Your, your bladder. No, Sorry. So I I say to uh, the what, the girl that's with me, who's all, also a witness. I've got to go to the bathroom. And she said, well, let's go over to the church and see if any of the doors are open. So we walk around the entire building of the church and all the doors are locked. And we get to the back door and we go up to the door to try and open it. And a man comes out and he his demeanor is one of a stealth operative. He is not letting anyone through. It's abrupt. It's rude. And I said, I've got to go to the bathroom. Can I just use it, the restroom? And he says, no one is allowed in until 725. And I said, okay, no problem. And I said, we're one of the witnesses. And he said, again, I'm not letting anyone in. And so I thought, okay, that's that was rude, but okay. So me and the other woman sit down on the curb and just kind of wait for people to show up. Well, the other witnesses get there as well as Natasha. And uh, so we are standing at the door and at 725, the man walks out with two other men and no one recognizes them, Natasha nor her husband, like no one knows who they are. 
And they say, okay, you can come in first. And Natasha says, okay. So she walks in. And then I said, can I use the bathroom now? And he said, no one is allowed in until it's your turn. And I said, I asked you that before. Could you just go ask him if I could use the restroom? It's It just seems so silly to me. And my, the woman I was with said, come on, let's just go in. And he was like enforcing. He was like this like presence. Like, he didn't touch you. No, he didn't touch us. But he stood there and he said, you are not coming in. And we were so kind. And I'm like, I'm a temple recommend holder in the young women's. Sadly, you know. and that shouldn't matter. But, it shouldn't but. matter. But I, I, I'm like, I'm not the enemy here. This is so bizarre to me. I was shocked. And so then it was only about five minutes before Natasha came out and then exited and went straight to the back of the parking lot to talk to someone. And all of us are stunned. What's going on? We, we have no idea what's happening. So we stand there for a while. And, you know, it's cold. I'm like, you know, the least you could have done is put chairs outside for us to sit on. You know, just that's, it just seems so bizarre to me. Well, then a woman comes out and I said, it was the Relief Society present because she's allowed to be in those proceedings. And I said, oh, where are you going? And she says, they told me that I'm done. And I said, wait, I would like you to be in there when I go in to do my testifying, like my statement. I, I don't I don't want to go in there alone with these men I don't know. And clearly, like, I felt awkward about it, too, because of what they had done to me at the door. And so I said, I would like you to be in the room with me. And I said, you know, do you think that they could just let us go in, you know, let us go in and go to the bathroom? And she said, well, they told me, I said that to them, and they told me um, that they told you you had to go to a gas station or a store down the road. And I and I said, really? They didn't say anything to us. They just told us to wait here. They didn't tell me that I had to leave to go to the bathroom. And she didn't know what to say or do. I could tell it was so awkward for her. I really felt bad. I did. But it's just a bunch of women standing outside this door talking to this other woman. Well, then the, you know like enforcer comes out and says, uh, sister, you need to leave to the Relief Society. And I said to the ma'am, I would actually like her to stay so that I could read my statement with another woman in the room. And he said, none of you will be reading your statements. You need to get off the property now. <laughs> and I, I was so stunned. I just, I was like, what? And and he said, all of you need to get off the property now. And so then the other women who were with me were trying to plead with him. Like, we came all the way from Utah. You know, we've worked hard on our statements. It's really unfair that we don't get to read them. And then we brought up the handbook. Look, in the handbook, it says that if the person can't be there to speak for themselves, they can have witnesses there. This is a list of witnesses that the stake president already, he already approved. approved. And so this isn't like we're adding people or we're, this is like we are on the proof list. We spent hours writing our statements and check going over them and making sure that they were as good as they can be. We were at least making 
like an effort and a showing and they just told us to get off and so we sat he sat at the door with two other guys and it was just I couldn't even believe it and so then of course I called Alan and I was crying and upset because I've just never been treated like that never and I, I couldn't believe it. I said to him, like, this is not the, this is not the gospel. This is not the church I know. Like, I just, I'm so confused. I don't even know what's going on. And during this, the vigil's being held in the corner. And people, there's like one person talking at a time. People are just standing around. No one's doing anything. Like, literally. And so we're standing in the parking lot. Stunned, we finally asked him, could you at least please take our statements that we've worked so hard on? And the man says, give me the statements. It's like super rude. And we hand him the statements and then he walks inside and that was it. And so we're standing around stunned, like not sure like if they're going to call us in at some point, if they're going to, if they're going to, um, ask us to leave or what. And while we're sitting there, three cop cars show up and I, I, I was like, what? I, I like, don't even, I'm flustered. Don't even know what to say. Thank you. Alan went to go get me a tissue. (laughs) Um, don't even know what to say. And they show up and they said, you know, Hey guys, I'm sorry. They were super nice. Just, like sorry you guys but you need to you need to leave the property um we've been asked to escort all of you off the property and i just i like threw my hands up like what what just happened (sighs) i feel bad because like there were so many people everyone everyone that showed up was from out of state everyone they had driven all day or they had flown in or they had, you know, been there to support her for what? I just, it was so disappointing. And then I felt so much guilt because, you know, we have like amazing community members in this group who like paid for my hotel and my, you know, like we didn't ask for any of it. And they're just like, Hey, pay for your hotel, pay for your food, pay for your lodging, pay for your flight, you know, here's money for the car. And I'll just say, like, all of you know who you are. (sighs) So it just felt like such a waste. And then in that moment, I was really upset that Alan wasn't with me because I just was like, you know, I'm going through the stages of grief. I'm shocked. I'm confused. I'm sad. And then I'm mad. And I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. So I dropped, and I'm not the only one. I won't speak for other people, but I was not the only one who was feeling all of those things. So I dropped off um, the girl that was with me. She wanted to go back to the hotel because it was just too much. And then I went to a designated park area where they were meeting again so we could at least have a vigil. And it just was surreal to me. I am. I don't. I don't really know how to put it. Um, my my childhood friend came to the vigil and sat next to me. And I know it's like super stupid that 
you know, I I felt this, you know, it's, I'm going to call it tender mercy. I hate that word. But she sat next to me and just like gave me a hug and it felt really familiar. Like I felt I, I felt like I had a piece of home with me when I was just totally distressed. And I was like so grateful. So grateful that she was there. Um cuz um I know I wasn't the only one feeling it and so then we came home and went back to the hotel and had a really called Alan till super late at night, just sort of processing. And the next morning, more processing, processing on the flight, coming home. I text Alan when I was at the airport. I said, I just, I need my family. I need, I need to feel just loved right now. So... I got home and Alan picked me up and my kids, you know, jumped out of the van and tackled me. I think I put a picture on Facebook. You can't even see me because my teenage boys are so much taller. But it was exactly like what I wanted. I just wanted to spend time with them. And um, I had a lot of really, really amazing messages and Marco Polos and I mean y'all found a way to get a get a a message to me which was really very very kind of you um but it was just it was a very traumatic weekend for me I I actually I actually like felt like it was I don't know I I I felt like it was the right thing to do because I knew I, I needed to stand up for someone and at the same time like I really regretted having to to feel, I don't know, like, have the experience that I did. What was it like for you, getting the call for me? <laughs> well, it was no fun. No fun. Um, I was at home on Sunday, and um, sorry, I didn't tell you. I didn't, I didn't take the kids to church. I think that's probably Rude. expected. My bad. <laughs> that's where it all went off the rails, I think. <laughs> But uh, I was I was making hamburgers on the Traeger. My mom was here visiting. She knew you were there. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm getting periodic texts and calls. And when you called me to say, like, they're not letting us speak, it was the same reaction, but just a thousand miles away. Just my jaw dropped and just, what? What, what do you mean they're not letting you speak? Um, I got angry. And for the post-Mormon husbands that are in <laughs> that are in the Marco Polo group, they saw that anger come out a little bit with some colorful language. Uh, and um, I just, you know, I, I don't know what part of it, I don't know, hopefully it's a good spouse thing and not a, a patriarchal thing. Um, I just am very protective of you. And my natural instinct is to protect you when you're feeling pain. Uh, and so not being next to you when you were in one of the more traumatic moments of your life. And look, we've had real, very bad tragedy in our lives. And so this is not to minimize or compare this with some very real trauma, deaths and and things like that. But this was very traumatic for you. And not being able to be there was was difficult and... I was so overloaded that I just kind of, when I wasn't talking to you, I turned it off 
I didn't watch the vigil. I watched you give your statement, which you'll do here in a moment. And then I turned it off and I spent time with the kids. Went outside and played baseball. Um, we watched the first half of Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> and that, uh, the plot line wasn't good enough to really distract me enough. But anyway, it's fine. <laughs> uh, but then you called late at night and just every time your, your name would pop up on my phone, I'm like, okay, 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 okay. How are you? What's, what's going on? What can I do? And, and um, I, I had a feeling that coming back, you would already have processed it to a point that you were ready to, to take some healthy actions. And can you talk about one of the first things that you did? Um, yeah. So I'm going to preface this a little bit because I think like it's important when you've dealt with trauma you know, I you you process through it, you think about it, you you go through these stages of grief, but I don't usually stay there. And that's for me. For me, I don't usually stay in the anger and the pain. Um, clearly, I'm in pain. Clearly, like, even talking about it is so hard and emotional, because I just felt like, I don't know, it's just the side, the side that I never have seen before. And while I've heard of people's stories, it's so different to hear someone's story and another thing to witness it and feel it firsthand. And so, you know, I don't, but I also, I also am a like pretty positive person. So I feel like I need to take, take a step back because I'm very emotional. There's high emotions. I needed to sleep on it. And I woke up and I thought like, what is my sphere of influence? My sphere of influence right now is our audience and it's my my neighborhood, like where I live, my neighbors, my ward, my stake. And I think some of you are going to be upset by this. I do. Because not everyone's going to agree with me. But I decided that, you know, what I witnessed, what I saw, what happened to me cannot happen again to at least the people in my influence in my sphere. So I talked to my stake president yesterday and I said, hey, the poor guy, he's in, you know, he's, he's doing clinics, not here in Utah, he's somewhere else. And I call him to tell him about the weekend and he has no clue what's happening. And Natasha, who what now? I know. And I wanted to be extremely transparent because I think it's important for me to do that. So I told him, I told him everything that happened. And cried and said, look, I I don't know if you've ever done a, a council before. And he actually told me he had never done one, but he's fairly new. So, yeah. But I said, I would love to talk, talk to you about ways that people should and should not be treated. And the way that we were treated was like, like we were criminals. Like, I don't, I just, guys, I can't understand. I can't understand. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that I can't try and influence someone to make it better for someone in the future. I'm trying to build bridges. Like that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm mad and I'm angry. I didn't want to I also want to like I'm sad, I'm mad, I'm angry. But that anger, if I let it just sit there, it's not going to serve me. I have to I have to be able to do something about it. So 
he was gracious. He was kind. He was like, I'd love to sit down and talk to you about this. I'm so sorry. Um, and, you know, I'm going to sit down with my bishop and do the same. But I, for me, this is like how I feel like I can create change or move on and not hold on to all of this hurt um, is by serving the people around me to educate what should and shouldn't happen. I just can't see why anyone listening would be upset about that because, or, su- or surprised about that. Like, because I think that it, it would be easy for someone in your position, Alan, to say, awesome. Katie now sees the real church. She can see now how they actually operate. Like finally she gets it. She, you know, she's, she's being hurt by them. And now she's going to come to the other, like she's going to join this side I don't think it's about sides, people. Like, people are complicated. There's so much gray. But when you get to know people and, you know, I'm, I was trying to work it from every angle. If I were the stake president, how would I feel? If I were the man at the door, how would I feel? If I were Natasha, how would I feel? If I, You know, I am who I am. How do I feel? Like, it's not about, you know, I, I just don't think it's about that. It's about what do you do with these bad things that happen? So anyway, that's, that's kind of like my thinking right now is, is that's what I can do because I kind of feel helpless. It was done to me. Uh, I, I didn't participate in it and, and I'm upset. And I think that there's room for, I just didn't see there was no Christ like love. There was no compassion and that was really hard. And I didn't get to read my statement. And so I want to read my statement to you because I feel like I think it it should leave you with the impression, like the whole reason, the whole reason why I went out is because of this one statement that I wanted to make on behalf of her. So I'm going to read that. As I switch over to Microsoft Word so you can read it. Can I just compliment you for a second? Yeah. I don't think you've ever said no to that. Okay. <laughs> I just see you standing up for human decency and loyalty to the individual in every turn of this process, both with your stand, walk, walking out on a limb for Natasha by going out there in your reaction and your calling into the bishop and stake president. Like that's what you're doing. You're standing up for human de- decency. Just let's treat each other, it, regardless of what, we're, what we believe. Let's just stand up for each other and be kind. And I think that that's admirable on both sides because you walked out of your traditional be- behavior as far as your church goes to go and support Natasha. And now you're doing the traditional thing by talking to your local leaders. And I don't, if you're upset about that, anybody out there, just, you can email me. Oh boy. Okay. Hate mail to Alan, not to me. Please. Hate mail to Alan. Um, okay. So let me just preface my, my thoughts by saying that, you know, I'm, I'm reading this to a stake presidency. So you always write something to an audience, right? And so that having that in mind, I wrote it for my audience, but I meant every single word. I am going to use a triggering word, which is sister, because I called her sister helper, because she's a sister. And, uh, and that's, that's the term that I used in 
my actual statement. So having known that, here we go. About four years ago, my husband came to me about doubts he was having about the church. He turned to our bishop, who referred him to our stake president, as well as his counselor, who knew intricate details about church history. After months of working together, my husband decided to step away from the church. This was an especially dark and painful time for me, since I had never known anyone close to me who was in this situation. I felt my marriage was over. How could I choose the church and my spouse? I was distraught and worried about my marriage and turned to a stake leader for help. I asked a simple question. Is there absolutely anyone in the stake I could talk to that could help me navigate how to do this? The response was, I'm sorry, I can't think of anyone. In the beautiful book about Jesus called The Unexpected Deliverer by Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler, we are reminded that, quote, when you find yourself in an unlikely place, unseen, there's still reason to hope because you will be found. This sent me seeking to find people and create spaces to fill an area of the gospel that desperately needed help. Along the journey, my husband and I realized the need for a roadmap to help the mixed faith marriage community adapt and thrive. On our own proverbial road to Jericho, when we were at our lowest, we met Sister Helfer on the way. Our beautiful mixed faith community have wandered, have been broken, and have pleaded for help. I felt inspired to ask Sister Helfer to be a part of a project to combine forces to serve marriages that were on the brink of divorce. She lovingly took on the challenge and she created a curriculum that would give couples the tools they needed to succeed. Over the last year and a half, we have held workshops via Zoom for 115 couples who are all in a mixed faith marriage. Sister Helfer has provided a roadmap to help couples understand, communicate, and work through the hardest of tenders in their marriage. We have spent hundreds of hours listening to her encourage couples to support one another in what was important to them. Week after week, she would build on a principle that would allow those in the group to open up to their spouse and to each other. Sister Helfer has been very clear that each couple has to take her clinical expertise, their own goals and desires of their marriage, and their spiritual feelings to guide their decisions for them and their children as pertaining to our own church doctrine on free agency. She has never told any of our couples to leave the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but has always encouraged them to, quote, study it out in their, in their minds what they should do, DNC 9-8. She has provided safety, confidentiality, and above all, Romans twelve fifteen, rejoiced with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. I witnessed compassion, I witnessed strength, and I have witnessed her sit in the pain of hundreds then the miracle, the, trans- the transformation to see couples bounce back to a place of resilience, honesty, and above all love were at the hands of Sister Helfer, and of course, the work that each couple put in. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have shewed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Sister Helfer has ministered to and is credited with saving hundreds of marriages in our own church. In the song, Lord, I Would Follow Thee, it says, quote, I would be my brother's keeper. I would learn the healer's art, close quote. This is the work of a physician. She has been like the balm of Gilead, relieving pain and producing healing. 
Jesus invites us to come unto him because there is a place for all of us at the table. Sister Helfer is at the table and is looking for those like me who felt unseen and then giving us hope. That's it. <laughs> it's very well spoken. You you strike on a lot of really important things, and I really hope that they were able to read it. Um, and regardless of whether they did or not, or if it has any bearing on the outcome, uh, the fact that you put all of this passion into this letter and took a weekend out of your busy schedule out of your busy schedule (laughs) going far away from your irresistibly attractive husband for a few days (laughs) to deliver this message just i mean i'm in awe katie honestly i'm in awe you are fiercely loyal to those um who are fiercely loyal back to you for because of everything that you are so I, i know that you don't want this to be made about you. And I, I'm not doing that. I just think it's a great example of standing up for what you feel is right, especially in the face of going out and doing things that are uncomfortable. And you experienced more than your fair share of uncomfortable this weekend. And I'm glad that you're back. And I'm sad that you're leaving tomorrow. (laughs) But I'm so glad I'm going to Disney World, you guys. (laughs) If Mickey can heal anything, it's... (laughs) It's these wounds. To, uh, churros. Experience. Churros, churros can heal anything. That's right. That's right. Hey, I just want to say again to you, I wish I could individually send you a message and say um, how much I really just appreciated. Like I've, I can't, I haven't even begun to respond to, to all the uh, messages I got. And it, and if, even if you didn't message me and you thought about me and, um, you worried about me. I just, I want to say thank you. And I hope none of you that donated feel like it was in vain because um, it made my load lighter by going and by, by being able to be there without great cost to us. So I just, I want to say thank you for all the support and love. And, you know, for those of you who don't understand still why I did it or are not happy about you know what went on and you're your face you're feeling trauma from it as well i just hope we can all process this in a healthy way and that uh we can this was something that brings us closer together and not divides us for natasha if you're listening we love you we hope i know that this is this chapter is not done yet um there we don't know if the court was actually held we don't, um, we don't know anything. We don't know anything. So we we really love you, Natasha. We love what you um, well <laughs> what you've done for this community, and we're still by your side. Uh, for those that have unfortunately reached out with nothing to do with this, uh, particularly our never Mormon friends, <laughs> we we've seen a number of emails from some of our evangelical or uh, Jehovah's Witness listeners, and we just haven't been able to respond to anything because the volume is through the roof right now, especially I think our capacity to respond is decreased because, <laughs> because of all completely the diminished. emotions, but we will get back to everybody very, very soon. And next week, 
uh, or actually in just a few days, we will be releasing an episode with John Ogden that we recorded last week. And that will be, I know we teased it the last episode. <laughs> that will be the next. That will be the next episode. I, we promise. Um, we love you, Kitty. Anything, any last words? So sorry for all the crying. This is a, this was like a whole Katie cry show. So, what would be the episode where I was crying as much as you cried today? What oh, would the topic that, have to be? That would be the Dodgers losing, losing the, the World, World Series. Series. Yep, that's that true. Would be the topic. That's true. Okay, I'm just gonna go think about that now. I'm just gonna sit in that pain for a few minutes. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon. We're gonna see that it was better. That we grew up together Tell me you don't want to leave Cause if change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow as we go Grow as we go Grow as we go